This is Rewired Radio with Erica Spiegelman, addiction and wellness specialist, motivational speaker, and author, helping individuals, couples, and families regain a sense of control, leading to personal growth, wellness, and a more fulfilling life. Here's Erica Spiegelman. Welcome, everybody. As we all know, people who enter rehab for an addiction are really focused on getting control over their destructive behavior. And in the quest to curb our addictions, we often forget that true freedom from addiction means more than just rehabilitation. It means transformation. And my guest today knows transformation better than anybody. Uh, Marty Angelo has experienced true transformation while staring down addiction himself. And being arrested in 1980 for cocaine possession, Marty experienced a new beginning that has shaped every move he's made since then. Marty's here today uh, to share his story and share why transformation is really the key to sobriety. Marty, welcome to the show. So grateful to have you with me today. Uh, thanks for having me, Erica. It's my pleasure. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, what I love, I'm, I'm, you know, me being, I'm sober myself almost 10 years and what I love about connecting and meeting people who are, are extending that hand, helping others, changing the world by speaking their truth, that there's so many truths, there's so many stories and there's so many uh, ways and paths to sobriety. So could you tell us a little bit about yours and, and how that came to be? Yeah, sure. I was a you know child of the love generation, um, you know, mm. the Woodstock generation in the '60s, and so you know I I never there was no rehab back then that I knew of or anyone right. that I knew of ever went to one, and so you know, I just was leaving, le- leading an out of control life. I was working in the entertainment of all things, and mm-hmm. uh, I can relate to what's happening right now today on what's going on in Hollywood, and so you know when when it was said that. Oh, you know, I was from the 60s and 70s. Uh, well, you know, we got away with a lot of stuff back then. In fact, we mm-hmm. were the grandfathers of this whole movement, actually, of drugs, sex, drugs, and rock and roll and do your own thing. So I'm not surprised when, you know, Hollywood tries to correct itself, because I lived there. I was there. I worked in it. I produced television shows. I worked with top rock bands, traveled the world. And it, mm-hmm. was a, it was kind of a liberal, very liberal, radical lifestyle. I went to college, and I got influenced by a lot of left wing, they call them, I guess. And, and uh, I believed everything they said. Tune in, turn on, and drop out was the mantra. Dr. Timothy Leary, who was the founder of uh, LSD, uh, mm-hmm. we, we started to do that. And I, I mean, I went out of control. I mean, we were getting the perks of the music businesses. You get a lot of this stuff for free. People throw yourself, themselves at you. They, want, they either want you to right. help them make it, which is what's happening to Mr. Weinstein out there in Hollywood, where people throw themselves and where they, they need mm-hmm. to connect with people. And, and, you know, so, so you almost think it's illegal. So how do you break out of that? How do you break out of it when there's no one talking about rehab, but yet your friends are dropping debt? Right, uh, the right. first person that gave me a break in the entertainment business was Jimi Hendrix, and he dropped debt yeah. of an overdose of heroin. And so, mm-hmm. you know, the, the only way you actually kind of got out of this whole thing was uh, you had to get arrested, taken right uh-huh. off the street. And that's what happened to me. So I never mm-hmm. was exposed to the jargon of, uh, of addiction. I never, mm-hmm. I was more or less exposed to, the, to Christianity and the spiritual part of uh, what was missing in my own life. And mm-hmm. I think drugs and alcohol and that promiscuous lifestyle I was leading was just a was just the tip of the iceberg of what was really happening with inside of me. And so mm-hmm. I, I um, was able to, because I got arrested, 
stop me dead on my tracks because really nobody was getting arrested. I mean, they were dying, but but you just didn't think it was going to happen to you. So so there right. was no big push to break up Hollywood. In fact, they thought they had me as a Hollywood connection that they were going to start busting a bunch of people out there, but that never happened. So I went lonely, very lonely back to I went to uh, back to New York, Buffalo, New York, where I'm from. And my my sister had become a Christian, and she started. She said she was praying for me for a couple of years. And mm. so I I didn't have anyone. Honestly, this is strange, and I can understand exactly what's happening to Mr. Weinstein, who was a friend of mine back in Buffalo. We helped promote the Rolling Stones in 1975 together. So I, yeah. I you know, I'm not. I'm not, uh, you know, one of his buddies. I mean, we just we went to the same university at Buffalo, but I can mm-hmm. understand what's happening, and so nobody wanted to know me, which is what happened, which is what happening to him now, and so mm-hmm. I had the love of God reach out to me, which was my dear sister, and she started mm-hmm. to say, you know, you need to come with me, and we're going to go over to my friend's house, and uh, they've been praying for you. You're, no one wants to talk to you. No one wants to know you. You're so hot that I couldn't even get a phone call answered mm-hmm. from anybody mm-hmm. from in that business. And so this is what happened. This is what happened mm-hmm. to people. And so, I've, in fact, I've reached out to Harvey Weinstein uh, myself with the, with the love of God. I, I said, you know, there is hope. There's hope mm-hmm. that you can change. I mean, yeah, I don't care what the sin is. You know, I never called what I did sin. And I think mm-hmm. the church has almost drove that word right out of the, out of the pulpit. You don't hear much mm-hmm. of it anymore. And so, Right. And I didn't hear it either. I mean, we again, we were doing our own thing. So when I bottomed out, is what what's called an addiction. Right, I was looking right, at right. going to prison the rest of my life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, you know what, uh, but 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 what you're saying, Marty, too, is is like you know a lot of people are, are are you know in an environment or it's normalized like certain things are normalized if you're in the music industry that's normalized to be in Hollywood and yeah. and you know I mean these these things start to become almost it's a habitual thinking and and your thoughts become uh, habitual and and honestly not the highest vibration in thoughts you know like it's just like the vibrational thoughts are just very low about uh, how to get by how to manipulate how to use but that becomes you know normal because a lot of other people yeah. are acting in the same way. So, yeah, to right. break out of that, you were very lucky to be, you know, a blessing in disguise, but um, to be pulled well, out. Well, that's what I say. Mm-hmm. I, I say yeah. that all the time. I've said that for the last 35 years. I'm blessed that I've been able to do this and have a complete paradigm shift in my life at the age of 35. I'm 71 mm-hmm. years old yeah. now. And, you know, I was, I was old to be going through this. I mean, I was running disco dance television shows in order to stay in the music business after it moved from rock, from the Woodstock mm-hmm. thing to, to the next generation of people coming in. And so they wanted to start to dance. And so I started producing TV shows. So, I mean, you stayed in it, just like all mm-hmm. of Hollywood, just the same problems mm-hmm. that they're having, except what's happened is it's acceptable behavior. It's mm-hmm. good to get high. When I got arrested, I looked at the cop and said, I'm in the music business. What are you talking about? Right. This is what we <laughs> all do. I would go right, to meetings right. and there'd be bowls of cocaine on the on the on the uh, agent's desk. I mean, this is right. you don't do this to us, not us. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so about that entitlement, that's, yeah, the entitlement too. That's yeah. right, and that's that's why yeah. a lot of people go into that business. Is mm-hmm. you know, I got into a rock band. I wanted to meet girls, mm-hmm. <laughs> and all the gra- mm-hmm. all the guys in the rock bands had the girls, and so and, and mm-hmm. the drinking. See, but there was something missing in me, Erica. This is the, of course this is the point. I was mm-hmm. empty, completely. Empty. I was. I hated mm-hmm. myself. I hated. I never smiled. I would not mm-hmm. do one thing to help myself because I didn't even know I had a problem. 
And so I just went down this merry way, following after everybody that was doing it. I figured, hey, listen, if it's okay for John Lennon to snort heroin, then, you know, he turned me on to it, so I might as well do something with him. And so this mm-hmm. is how stupid. You know, there's a scripture that says there's a way that seems right unto a man, but in the end thereof is the ways of death. And that's what was happening to me. I thought I was doing the right thing, but yet I was on the wrong road. And so but when Marty I got also, dark, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna. I was gonna say. You know, I I hear you saying things, and and with dif- I hear it in different language in my head because of just the, my sure. experience in like this industry for so long. I, I mean, sure. in, the, in the recovery industry. But really, you didn't know your values. You, I mean, you 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 no. had values in your heart, and and they weren't congruent. They weren't matching them. So that's what causes emptiness. Is is you living day to day, taking action, um, doing things in action that don't that don't feel right to you. They don't feel right in your soul, your spirit, and so that kind of incongruency leads us to. To, to feel like we're betraying ourselves. And when we betray ourselves, that leads to anxiety, depression, and we don't understand why we're feeling so empty, but it's that self-betrayal. But until you, until you realize that, which, which takes a lot of awareness. So, you know, yeah. I, I, I find that like what you're, you're talking about is how you found the awareness in a different way, you know? Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and, and your so, values you know, and your values in a different way too, you know? Absolutely. They completely changed. You know, I right, can't right. I can't attribute it to anything or anybody other than God, who who had mm-hmm. who thankfully stepped into my life, came into me, and changed me from the inside out. Now that that's mm-hmm. really transformation. I mean, because I wasn't looking for this. I was not on that road to try to find recovery. I was on the right. road to kill myself, and mm-hmm. very quickly. So when I went to prison, it stopped me. And so, but prior to going to prison, and I had become a Christian and. And I was really on fire. I couldn't believe what happened to me. I was like, wait a minute. No, I have no desire to do any drugs. My friends said, here, try this. I could, I don't even want it. Whereas before, mm-hmm. I wanted it. And so right. I, that to me was a miracle in itself, yet alone everything else that fell into place when you're talking about values and morals mm-hmm. and, and looking for the fruit of the Spirit, which was love and acceptance and patience and long-suffering and and, you know, these things that uh, the world tries to just give you and pretend, and they, they kind of counterfeit everything that God has for somebody. Oh, just drink more beer, you'll get more girls, and you know, just watch right, the television. Right, right. And so, well, you know, these are here's such the external sec- messages. Yes. Yeah, the messages. And, and yeah. people believe that. I mean, right. that's, that's why it's so acceptable nowadays that not, now the behavior, of course, can get out of hand. But I can understand, coming from the 60s and the 70s, how, you know, women brand- took their bras off. They started taking a pill uh, to prevent mm-hmm. pregnancies. I mean, we started that whole thing. And so, uh, what all of a sudden, it became acceptable behavior, situational mm-hmm. ethics accepted. You know, it's mm-hmm. okay to turn on and tune in and drop out. Look at all the people that did it. Right, and so, right, you know, right. you could be dragged down into the gutter, and hopefully right. somebody is there to help pick you up and that's why i do what i do for the last 35 years right and that's great uh, that's fantastic I, and i know i want to talk about what you are doing now today and yeah. also but you know, marty it's 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 also our own responsibilities even though we could say hey we we heard tune in you know tune out you know whatever we, we could we could say all these things even in, in aa and different 12-step programs which you know they've helped millions of people and they're fantastic but there sure. is some sayings like you know i'm selfish and self-centered because i'm an addict you know like we can't hide behind excuses you no. know we can't always say no. like oh because i'm an addict i'm self i'm selfish no 
that's not true. You're a human being and you, you chose to act selfishly, you know, like we can't, but I always, I hear this a lot and I always correct my clients when they say things like, Oh, it's because, you know, because of this, I did this. Yeah. I understand Mm -hmm. because I did the same things because of, I was hijacked by, by, by alcohol. I did things I didn't, I didn't really believe in, or I did things that, you know, I wouldn't have done if I was of my right mind. I get that. But at some point, where do we take responsibility for our own behaviors and see that we have choices? And, and, you know, and I feel like that's so much more of an empowering way to live when you say, Oh, Hey, you have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the problem. After I had this awakening and did studying and graduated from four colleges and, and took, you know, looked into deeply into this thing, you know, yeah. I realize that people have a spiritual problem. And if they want to call uh, a spiritual problem a disease, which is what's happened, they mm-hmm. no longer are responsible because now I have a disease. And this disease has got such control over me. But, hey, guess what? You have control over that because all you have to do is stop doing it. So you have to find a way to stop doing it. Then what happens? You no longer have a disease. I have yet to meet or go to any AA group or go into any courtroom or any prison in the last 35 years that anybody got diagnosed by a doctor that said, you got the disease, like they have cancer. Oh, here's the MRI. There's your cancer. We're going to cut it out of you now because you have the disease of cancer. Try telling that to a judge. Try telling us, oh, the disease. I have a sex disease. I have a lying disease. I have, you know, every excuse in the book other than accepting responsibility. That, listen, I made some bad choices in my life. I'm going to suffer consequences, both good or bad. You make good choices, you get good consequences. And then you learn from them. You make bad Mm -hmm. choices. Of course, you hope you do. But I know a lot of prisoners right right now to this day aren't learning a thing. They're Mm -hmm. just sitting there. And Mm -hmm. you can say, listen, don't you want a better life? Nah, I like it here, man. I get three meals. I get a hot cot here over there. I got my clothes. I got my homeboys. We buy drugs together. We get high. Then when we get out, we go through the state. And they wonder why prisons are overcrowded. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. you would think that that would be the serious time when somebody would take a good look at their life, and some do. Absolutely. Yes, a very small percentage, maybe ten percent, are really yeah, looking absolutely. for the life, you know, change. Yeah, and and, and I those really, are the ones so that gr- stay out. Right. Yeah, and 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 I'm grateful that the work that you are doing. Um, you know, it, it's really, it, it's, it's so important that we start to educate people that don't have access yeah. to education, you know, and, and really working with the prison, the prison system and, and rehabilitation centers and, and not, you know, I, you know, I feel like so many, so many of my clients are very young in their twenties and they're already yeah. destined for uh, hardships in life because of the fact they have arrest due to, to, possession or drug possession or drug paraphernalia, you know, and it really prevents them from getting jobs. I can't, you know, yeah. and it creates a depression that they can't move forward in their lives when they really want to. So to have these programs in place and have people like you that are coming in and educating and, and actually um, giving them some hope and, and ways out of this and, and coping skills is, is really important. I mean, there's not enough of it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely not enough of it. We've tried many, there's been many, many programs developed for prisons around the country. And rehabs. Yeah. Down, I'm in Florida, and there's 300 rehabs just in the in the uh, county of Palm Beach. I know. I've been down there, too. And, I know. It's yeah, unbelievable. It, 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 and, you know, most of them, really, to be honest with you, don't work. No, I mean, well, a lot of them, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on down there that's not uh, I know, kosher. I know. I, yeah. I know. I was, I've been, I believe me, I'm right in the thick of things mm-hmm. down here. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it's unfortunate that what happens is that somebody might go to a rehab, and, and if they're not properly treated, they go out and say what, and use again and say, ah, I tried rehab. 
Why should I go mm-hmm. to rehab? You know, it doesn't work. It didn't work for me the 15th time I went. I hear these mm-hmm. stories all the time, and I'm sure you right. do too. And right. so, you know, right. what is going to be the magical moment in a person's life? And that's, uh, that's why you have to be there. We've developed programs um, throughout the prison system that actually work. We had one in Palm Beach County at the Palm Beach yeah. County Sheriff's Department. And it's a, it was a beautiful program. It was in existence for 19 years. Thousands of people got uh, treated and, and never got arrested again, never went out and used again. And yet the yeah. county, because they had a budget cut, wound up closing the program because they didn't want to take deputies off the street. And now, fast forward maybe 10 years, now they're spending $1 billion trying to give uh, this, this, um, these drugs and trying to help uh, put doctors in hospitals for all these kids that are overdosing uh, from these heavy narcotics. And so they could have spent $3 million to keep the program open, but yet they didn't and because, oh, no, we got to, you know, we're not going to. What about all these people that, are, that have gotten help over the years? Well, you know, we're sorry, but, you know, we're going to go this way. Now they're spending, honestly, Erica, a billion dollars they have in their budget to try to mm-hmm. combat opiate abuse down here. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> when you got programs that work, you're supposed to support them. If not, they're just going to come out and rob you. They're going to ta- rape your kids. They're going to do damage to the community unless somebody steps in and tries to turn this thing around. And yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's so far out of control. I know. Well, what, yeah. we, what we can do is, is you know, at least at least try and, and with the actual clients, try and help them, you know, spread the word, you know, grassroots style. Um, Marty, yeah, this is a fascinating conversation. I want to ask you a, a couple more questions. Sure. I just wanted to, to say thank you to the fabulous people that make Rewired possible. Um, so just a little more information from our sponsor. Organifi is how I upgrade my nutrition when I'm on the road. Every single person needs to have green superfood supplements in their life because even when you're eating really healthy, your veggies lose a ton of their nutritional value just sitting on the shelf for days before you eat them. Not a lot of us have time or the means to get all natural, fresh, organic vegetables, especially when building a business, which is why I love to use Organifi green juice. It's so quick and easy and it tastes so great. Try out their green juice for 20% using the code rewired at checkout on Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. The link is posted in all of our shows. And uh, the next, yeah, the next question I just wanted to, to ask you was, you know, the cognitive narrative you mentioned, uh, like how, how you actually help people cognitively change their thoughts. Because just like you, before you went, obviously, to um, the next part of your life, you had to change the way you thought about yourself. So, like, Marty, how was that to, to be able to, to talk to yourself in different ways and reframe your old ways of thinking, especially if you felt uh, entitled or you felt like, you know, you were being valid, you were validating yourself in all these external ways. How important was it for you to change that old story, the old narrative, or some people call it, you know, those belief systems? Well, you know, when you're facing the rest of your life in prison, you, you really take a good look at yourself. You know, you have to go all the way back and say, hi, hey, how did this start? Wait a minute. You know, I shouldn't be here. I, I'm rich. I had homes, I had cars, I had uh, all the perks of, uh, of success, and here I am sitting in the county jail. That that, and I'm looking to go to prison for the rest of my life. Mm, that gosh. is a heart stopper. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. to be able to then go backwards and try to—I know you—you know—you can't go back and change anything, but you can certainly learn from it. 
and what did I do, and how did I get into this position? And so once I realized that, and I did it through the love of God again. Now, you know, I didn't really have my right mind. I, my mind, Marty, old Marty, I call it old party Marty, was basically dead. I mean, that, that I, had to, I had to get that guy out of me. And so it was a long process of, you know, prayer and Bible study and going to meetings and, and seeing people and, and becoming transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind has to be renewed. And that's why I fell for the, the Christian approach was because they offered me to be a new person. And I always wanted to be a new person. They said, well, listen, you can, be, you can become a new person. How do I do that? And once, mm-hmm. they, once you ask somebody that question, how do I do that? How can I be a new person? Then you can properly minister or treat, uh, if, you, if you want to say that, in a way that will definitely change the person's life. And so once your life has changed by a, by a mighty miracle of God, in which, you know, that's my only approach right now. As for 35 years, I've worked in nothing but faith-based uh, treatment programs that basically don't charge any money at all. And most of those programs worked. I worked at Teen Challenge in Southern California, and that program had a success ratio of not 86%. I mean, you know, this is not, oh, we're going to go in for treatment. We're going in to change your life. You're going to have a new life. And believe me, there's a lot of addicts, and I'm sure you know that, want a new life. They don't want to be the old person. You know, I did not want to be rehabilitated. Please, don't rehabilitate me back to Party Marty. Because Party Marty, even without the drugs and drinking, (laughs) was a mess. So no, no, no rehabilitation for me. Transformation, regeneration, that's what I want. And so that's the the best way to do it for me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and so like nowadays when things are just, you know, uh, they're just ever like they're so rapidly changing with technology and social media and people have, you know, access to um you know, these these meditations online, people are listening to books on mm-hmm. on their fo- on their on their iPhones and you know, all, all mm-hmm. this like I, I feel like spirituality and awareness and enlightenment and all these these things and terms are, are more mainstream or they're easily accessible more than they were back in the day. Um do you find it hard to keep because I do, I find it hard to kind of keep up and there's so there's so many ways in which people find me and they say to me, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm really big into like, you know, these apps and meditation apps and I go on these retreats and I do, you know, everyone has so many different ways to, to a healthy path these days. I find it fascinating, but, but it must be, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's different too when you're in, in people that are incarcerated and kind of that, that population, you know, they don't have as much access to things. And, and I really, I'm, I'm really hoping that there is some budgets and some, some ways in which we can make things accessible. I just talked to a correctional facility this morning that found my book rewired or one of their, one of their, um, one of the inmates had my book. And so uh, one of the psychologists called me and said, oh, your book has been really helpful. And I just I just have a, an adult coloring book that was published. And a lot of actually these male, um, uh, these male, um, well, my male clients and a lot of men seem to be really taking to it as a meditation. So I wanted to to get it, get it into these correctional facilities as well, as long with as long as well with the book, but their budgets, they have no budget. It, I, no, you know, it, no I'll budget. have to be donation, um, which is fine. But yeah. I, you know, I really find that just mind blowing. I just find it mind blowing because there's so many ways well, there's, there's, people are getting help. There's, but, there's, yeah. Yes. There, you know, back in, back in the day, <laughs> I have to say, you know, I was very good uh, and had a good relationship with the Beatles. 
And if you remember, you know, first they were just cutesy little guys that were, you know, smoked a little pot and wrote love songs. Then all mm-hmm. of a sudden they started doing LSD, and, and then all of a sudden there was a spiritual element that came in, which was transcendental meditation. And mm-hmm. George Harrison went off the deep end on that and really got yeah. into it, had the Maharishni Yogi. And, you know, they mm-hmm. started to go in that spiritual direction because they were exposed to spirituality once you open up your mind with a, mm-hmm. with a hallucinogenic. And so, right. yes, and then you start, to, you start to be exposed. I mean, I tried everything. I tried Buddhism. I tried Zen Buddhism. I tried, I tried transcendental meditation. I tried astrology. Yeah. I tried right. everything, and none of it yeah. worked for me. And, and <laughs> you know, maybe it's not as popular as it is nowadays uh, where yeah. people can go down. There's many roads, but I got yeah. onto this one road. And, you know, yeah. it's, been, it's been a glorious time. It's the happiest I've ever been in my life, even when I was in prison. And so, you know, I try to let that rub off. Yeah, that's say, it. Know, Marty, really, tell everybody about, yeah, tell everyone about your book. Cause that, cause, cause that's well, I've written people 10 to. books. One, one of them I, I, I donate to prisons. It's called Once Life Matters, A New Beginning. There's probably about 80,000. I've been read by about 600,000 people. I've got letters from inmates that, that actually touched, their lives were touched by reading it. And so... If any of your listeners are out there, you know, you can, I, I only have it on, I have it, all, all books on Kindle for only 99 cents, because I want oh, people to read them and put them to place. And if anyone has a, a, a someone that's in prison or in a rehab that would like me to send them a book, they could contact me through martyangelo.com. My email address is marty at martyangelo.com. And, you know, just let me know, give me their information. I'll be glad to, to send them a free book. Uh, write Thank a little you, bit of description in it and send it off to them. And, and any of your listeners you. that want to get the book, it's all available on Amazon. That's amazing. Thank you, Marty. Thank you so much for your generosity and, and everything that you do. You can find Marty again at martyangelo.com. You're listening to Rewired Radio on Radio MD. I'm Erica Spiegelman. Thank you all for joining us and stay well.